you and your foundation are able to execute a vision, I felt like I was just sprinting to catch up. I mean, it's really, really amazing to see what you guys do and to see how a place can get transformed. You know, it's like magic. And that's what I want the kids to feel. I want them to step into that room and feel the magic and to feel the love and to know that people believe in them. And that's why this space is created. And I feel it every time I step into that room. Welcome to the Good Tidings Podcast, where we highlight and inspire a community of givers with your host, the founder of the Good Tidings Foundation, Larry Harper. So there used to be a very popular television commercial featuring the most interesting man in the world. So for today, I may be visiting with the most interesting woman in the world, that being Kimmy Werner. So, Kimmy, welcome to the Good Tidings Podcast. Thanks so much. So, when you meet someone for the first time, how do you explain to them, really, who you are and what you do? Well, I usually just say that I am a free-diving, spearfisher woman, and ended at that because I know there's already going to be so many questions coming my way from that title alone. And I guess what I mean by That is, I don't spearfish commercially, and I think that's what a lot of people think when they ask what I do, but I love to go free diving, you know, which means holding my breath and swimming down to the bottom of the ocean so that I can go spearfishing for food. And that has been a passion of mine for a really long time, and somehow over the years, I have gotten pretty good at it, and it's turned into a career just in the sense of, I guess, just sponsorships and people understanding that it's a sustainable way of living and wanting to support that. Yeah, that leads me to the question. So you're a champion spearfisher woman. Mm-hmm. How does that judge? Like, how do they determine who wins in spearfishing? Yeah, so when I when I really realized that I was spearfishing was what I wanted to do and that I was getting really good at. I decided to compete in the United States National Championship of Freediving Spearfishing. And I did win that. And the way that it worked was kind of like a scavenger hunt. So you have a kayak, it's a starting line. And then when they blow this horn, you just paddle your kayak within this radius of like three miles and you have a species list. You have a list of fish that you're looking for. And it's basically one point per pound and one point per fish. And so it is a size thing, but it's also a variety thing. You have Mm -hmm. to understand all the different fish behaviors and where they live. And of course there's bag limits for everything. Yeah. It's like one six hour long, (laughs) it's a six hour long (laughs) tournament, a six hour long scavenger hunt and you come back and that's how the point system is. And you see how you do. (laughs) That is so interesting. For me, the movie Fish People, which you starred in, really brought the importance of the ocean to the masses. I think everybody thinks they know about the ocean and the importance. But there was something about that movie that just related to, I think, everyone. Tell us about that experience for you. That was a truly great experience. That was my first time working with Keith Malloy, who has become a really good friend, and we've worked together a lot more since then. But he directed that film. It was completely his vision of 
basically wanting to show how the ocean transforms lives and all in different ways, you know? And he, it wasn't the type of film where he was just hitting you over the head with these messages of the environment or sustainability, but I agree that just in watching these short documentary-like pieces of individuals, you know, who just benefit from this connection to the ocean and just seeing it in different forms with every different story, but the same continuous theme of what the ocean brings to us humans, I think it just leaves us feeling that connection and then therefore feeling the importance of protecting it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you have a very well-produced YouTube channel and an Instagram, big Instagram following, which often features your son and husband. So life now does seem like a family affair. It definitely is. I'd say for the past eight to 10 years, I lived very nomadically and I was always traveling. I was always traveling solo all over the world or with different crews and whatnot. But my job had become so focused around these wonderful, great companies that sponsor me, but always on to the next adventure, you know, trying out a wetsuit in <laughs> Antarctica or the Arctic and, yeah. and going all over the place. And, and then in 2019, I ended up becoming pregnant and knew that life was going to change drastically. And it did. So January 2020, my son, Buddy, was born. And I just knew that I just wanted to grow some roots and I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to just give the baby to my husband and say, here, I made you something. See you later, <laughs> which a lot of people thought I might do because yeah. you know, I have the most supportive husband ever. But no, it was actually the opposite where I just wanted to grow roots and I wanted to stay home. And so we made plans to do that. And at the exact same time, COVID followed shortly after. And so it turned out everyone stayed home anyway. But what was kind of timely for us is that we did kind of have a plan. We did realize like, how do we create work from home? How do we keep doing what we're doing? But instead of traveling all over the world separately, let's do this together in our own backyard. And, and then when COVID hit, it just seemed all the more important to just provide positive content for people because it was a pretty traumatic experience yeah. for us collectively as a world. And at the same time, people also were really wanting to learn how to cook and because they had to stay home. So we're like, well, everything we kind of had in our minds, it seems ultra important right now to just help people feel a little more connected to nature, to help people understand the basics of cooking. And then most importantly, just to really encourage loving your family. If you're with them and they're driving you crazy during COVID, that's okay, but still squeeze them a little tighter. And if you can't be with them, just tell them that you love them. And so those were kind of our goals, our mission statement. And we started doing a video a week for a whole year. And it was amazing the response we got from people just saying that this was getting them through a dark time. That's what made it important for us. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I know probably leading up to that, you grew up kind of living off the land and the ocean as a young person. Can you explain on that a little more? Definitely. That was the very beginning of my life. It was a short period of time. But basically, from when I was born to when I was about six, my parents were, were really quite poor at that time. And so we just lived in this teeny tiny little shack, like that was literally <laughs> like falling apart and had all different kinds of moss growing on it. And 
but it was just immersed in nature and it was so cool. I think I was too young at the time to even know the difference between rich and poor. And, you know, I wasn't really aware of society's views yet. I just knew that I felt rich because I had this abundance of nature around me and a very loving family. And we got to do the coolest things. I just harvesting from the land, harvesting these plants and tagging along with my dad and watching him go spearfishing to put food on the table. And so we depended greatly on nature to help feed our family. And it really was because of our financial situation and the need to be resourceful. But along with that, I think, because I just felt so rich that entire time, I just picked up what feels like these values of resourcefulness and connection to nature and gratitude for it. Mm -hmm. And to this day, you catch most of the protein you eat on your daily lives. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of came back full circle because when I was seven, my parents, all their hard work did pay off. They started making more money and then our lives changed completely. And we just lived totally civilized and, you know, without depending on nature for a really long time. And now that I'm an adult, it just, I realized that that even if I might not be like in that same complete financial struggle that my parents were in, I just realized that there's still such good to take out of that. And so I like the resourcefulness and I like the fact that I can raise my son showing him where food comes from and showing him that nature takes care of us and therefore we have to take care of nature. Yeah. And so you start to free dive with your dad who's spearfishing. And, and at this point, when you were younger, How long could you go under the water for? And now as a champion, how long and how deep can you go under the water for? When I was young, when I was about five, I mean, I basically would just stay on the surface and I would try and hold my breath when my dad would dive down and I could never hold it as long as he could, even though I wasn't even diving, I was just (laughs) floating. And then as I got a little better, I was able to dive down just enough to touch the sand. And so I think I was probably averaging about 15 or 30 seconds at the most. Currently today, my longest breath hold is four minutes and 45 seconds. And my deepest free dive is 159 feet. That sounds awfully deep. I mean, that's, it's pretty yeah, deep. Yeah. It's, it's still, it's nothing compared to what the human body is capable of when it comes to people who truly just train in free diving for the sake of breath hold and depth. They can do way better than that. But for me, it's about the hunt. And so I'm more paying attention to the fish. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And are you aware of the inspiration you give young people that you were able to live your passion into your profession? And do you take that inspiration you may be given to young people seriously? Like, you know, I am certainly a role model in the ultimate path to profession. I think that it is beyond inspiring whenever you watch anyone who's truly chasing their dream or living out their passion. I think that is something that whether you're young, old boy, girl, It's inspiring. And for me, as a young person, I had a hard time finding people who I really saw that in. And whenever I would, I would just gravitate towards them. And so when young people do tell me that I'm an inspiration or a role model, that's not something I take lightly. And I just really just want to turn it 
right back around on them and encourage them to know that the reason why they feel something when they see me or they see what they're doing is because they're meant to listen to their hearts too. Yeah. And as a young person growing up, did you imagine all this success or for you, this all just happened organically and this is just the path you were supposed to be on? I mean, I think as a really young person, when you ask a little kid what they want to be when they grow up, I find that they often don't just give you one answer. You know, a lot of times, I mean, for me, it was, I want to be a singer, dancer, veterinarian, rock star, whatever. <laughs> and, um, and that's what I love about kids is that I think actually at our earliest age, we really can shoot for the stars and imagine everything. I think it's as we grow and we're told which I definitely was told by a lot of teachers or adults that, oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, that's not a career. This is not a career. And over and over again, to the point where, no, I could have never imagined that free diving and being in the ocean would actually become my livelihood. But at the same time, every once in a while, that little childlike spark would just start tickling me and saying, no, I think you can. I think you can. I think you should try this. I think you should keep trying. And every single time I just felt that passion or felt that magic, I just started to know, like, I just need more of that. I just need more of it. And it didn't really occur to me that it was actually going to become a full-fledged career All I knew is that it increased the quality of my life and made me happy. And so I wanted as much of it as I could get. And yeah, I think I'm still sometimes pinching myself. Yeah, well, it's a great life lesson for sure. This podcast really highlights the great givers and do-gooders in the world that, you know, I've certainly run across over the past 27 years running Good Tidings. And it's so interesting to meet all these different people. But could the ocean really be the greatest, truly the greatest giver there's to be known. I can speak personally. <laughs> yes, yeah. that in my life, the ocean is 100% the greatest giver. I mean, I just feel like from the moment I go in the ocean, it gives. The weight is literally taken away from me. The gravity is gone. I can tell every single muscle in my body, you can relax now and you can, you're supported. The ocean will support you and you can just relax. And then when it comes to the exercise, when it comes to the beauty and stimulation, when it comes to the food I can get, and when it comes to the encounters I've had with animals and the friends, the human friends that I've made for sharing these passions, the ocean has just given such abundance to my life that I could not imagine yeah. me without it. Yeah, for sure. So we are here doing this interview at Wailua High School in Oahu's North Shore, where we have just seen the many months of our partnership come together in the donation of a beautiful new art studio for the youth of this community. Many of the kids here at this high school are even of native Hawaiian descent. So tell us about this studio the whole experience of working on it and what you think this will lend to the kids here? Sure. I mean, I actually have to say, first of all, that there's a lot of times where people reach out and ask me to partner with things and it's always good causes, but I feel like those requests come in so much that I have a hard time filtering through them. And sadly, a lot of those requests just go unanswered because it's hard to differentiate like what to really carve out time for. And, but in this case, I just remember getting a phone call from my friend, Eddie Donnellan, him just saying like, 
this guy Larry is trying to get a hold of you and you need to call him. <laughs> and Eddie is like, he was also in the film Fish People and he's just an incredible human. And as soon as he said that, I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, no, he's, he's serious and you guys are going to do great things together. And so I, I took it serious as soon as Eddie said that. And when we started this planning and we started this vision, I mean, I instantly felt like it was an amazing thing to create a space of art, an art studio, to create a space for kids to really immerse themselves in art and creativity and feel empowered. And especially in a place like Wailua, which is such a high ethnic diversity and yet kind of left on the outskirts of the North Shore. And so sometimes I feel like kind of forgotten when it comes to all the funds that go through the North Shore. And and it's just a very special place that is dear to my heart. And so that was all really exciting. But I think as the months progressed and I actually saw the way that you and your foundation are able to execute a vision, I felt like I was just sprinting to catch up. I mean, it's really, really amazing to see what you guys do and to see how a place can get transformed you know, it's like magic. And that's what I want the kids to feel. I want them to step into that room and feel the magic and to feel the love and to know that people believe in them. And that's why this space is created. And I feel it every time I step into that room. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I need to apologize at the beginning of a project, especially when I'm meeting somebody for the first time, because we, you know, we definitely stand behind our word. We work very quickly, but then like today we're sitting here and you saw the process and you saw the value and it's, it's equally rewarding for me as it is for the partner we bring into it. And I think you even brought up the other day, what's your favorite project? What's always the latest one for me? It's always, this is my favorite project. And I think your vision of creating this underwater world along with our architects, MBH architects, is so unique. So I wanted you to talk about For people on the podcast who will never see this room, what it means to walk into this very unique spot. I think I was really blown away by the design that we came up with because I didn't realize we were going to get that cool about it. (laughs) I just, you know, I thought it was more like, oh, we're going to give them some new equipment and new supplies and make it all spiffy. But when you first came to me with the original architect concept of making it this underwater world and just seeing the sketch of that and realizing like, oh, wow, we aren't just making a room to do art in. We are making a room that is art. And that's really cool. And so the moment I saw that, that's when I think my own you know, creative ideas just started flowing. And that's what I want for the kids. Cause I see, you know, even just that sketch of the room, it empowered me to dream bigger than I was. We're, we're thinking more than just buying them new paints or pastels. Like when I saw this room that looked like literally just like you're in the belly of the ocean, then it really empowered me like, oh, well, how can we make it even better? And ooh, maybe I'll ask my friends since they're some of the best underwater photographers, if we can use their artwork. Hey, I have a brother-in-law, Eric, he mills salvaged wood. You know, he can help us with that tabletop. Oh, there's this guy, you know, and it's crazy because none of that would have ever happened if I hadn't seen what was possible and been inspired. And 
then as soon as I did that, oh my goodness, then it's like I passed that sketch on with my ideas to the photographers and you saw the support that came in. They took it and ran, you know, I... Same with my brother-in-law who made the table. Same with even just the sign for the art studio. Once people saw how special this project was, it set free their own creative visions and they just ran with it. And so now when I step into this room, I just see this whole community of just really, you know, we're talking like blue collar, hardworking, salt of the earth people who got inspired and did something fantastic out of the love of their hearts. And I just think it's such an amazing thing to see that snowball effect, you know, starting with you just calling me to where we are now and knowing that that snowball is just going to keep growing and growing, hopefully with every single student that passes through this place. Yeah. And I will, I will say for people Certainly there will be some great imagery that we'll all post on our social media accounts. But the one great thing about working in Hawaii with you was, one, you talked about the table. And so we talk about building a statement table for the middle of the room. In Hawaii, your brother-in-law is the sourcer of great wood. And not only do we talk about getting the piece of wood, he goes to the actual tree, cuts the tree down for us, mills the tree, and we end up with this dream of a dining room table, so to speak, in the center of the room. And the photography, you could walk down Waikiki into the nicest art gallery and you wouldn't see the imagery we have for these kids. So it's truly a priceless room. And I've seen it, you know, now that we've done so many, I'm a big believer you can have great teachers and you can have the best supplies, you can have all the technology, but it, that space is mind-changing and life-changing, I believe. I completely agree, and I just feel like when you step in to this classroom, I feel like you're actually, in a way, like stepping out of that institutionalized school setting and already something happens you know when you look around and you actually feel like you're in the underwater world because of the floor that we painted and the walls that the painters painted and the beautiful ceiling and all the images for me when I when the minute I slip into the ocean I feel free and I feel happy. And so that is, you know, what I want the kids to feel as soon as they step in. But also just know that you're, you're actually in a painting right now. You're actually in a piece of artwork right now. I think that alone is going to get them to think outside of the box of what they can do with their own talents. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's well said. And, and you're were a former art teacher and an award-winning artist. Do you find some similarities in the underwater world and the art studio world? How are these, how are these the perfect blend to create a studio from? I think the similarities I find between being underwater and doing art is that it can be a very therapeutic process that keeps you absolutely present I also find that it's a constantly changing thing and you're constantly having to kind of be on your toes, be aware and respond to what's happening on the canvas, respond to what's happening in the ocean. And so it becomes, for me personally, very intuitive, very instinctual. Sometimes later, if you ask me like, oh, why did you 
mix that color and put it down there, you know, I might be able to give you some color theory on it. But usually when I'm in the zone of doing it, it's just instinct. It's just intuition. And that's what I love about both of those processes. Yeah. Yeah. In about an hour, the new art studio will be given a traditional Hawaiian blessing. Tell us what we're looking forward to seeing here soon. What we're looking forward to seeing is, first of all, we're hoping that a lot of the people that donated and that really helped out with making this art room possible will gather to see it in its completion. And that, to me, is going to be very special because this is a very collaborative piece of art that we just made together. So just to be able to have some a moment to take it in and view it and stand in it and be there and see what we've all done, I think that's going to be really rewarding. And then we're going to have a kahu, which is a Hawaiian priest, kahu kekoa, come down and bless the room. And so for that, he's probably going to just really set some intention some good positive intention for the space and just go through a very traditional Hawaiian blessing using a lei, using these tea leaves gathered from the school property. And I think he even is going to bring in some water that he gathered from the Ko'olau Mountains, these very beautiful mountains 30 years ago. But it's just a, a really beautiful cultural experience that... I think just sets the tone for all the good intention we poured into this place. Yeah. And I think just one more note, you know, people think of Hawaii as this tropical paradise for the wealthy. And certainly there is that, but certainly unique. I mean, to this state in our country, if you drive along the North shore, this is one of the most needy communities in our country. Correct. Hawaii in general, when it comes to, I feel the majority of just hardworking local families, there's a crisis going on right now. And it is because Hawaii is so known for a place for the wealthy that so many wealthy people come and buy land and buy houses. And the prices of living here, the cost of living here is just to the roof. And yet the average salary is the exact opposite. And so what you see a lot of here is even if we're not looking at just homeless people that don't have anywhere to live, but you also just see a lot of people where they have several like families all just living together, everyone working two jobs each just to <laughs> just to make rent, you know? And so it definitely is something that is a real issue. It's that the people actually from here have a very hard time affording to be here. And we're fortunate, you know, our charity is based in the San Francisco area. Most of our work is from there, but we branch out for special projects. And we've done an art studio now in Harlem, and we have now done an art studio here in the North Shore of Oahu. Same needs. Same, you know, but Harlem would get your attention certainly more when if you said Hawaii. So this is our first project in Hawaii. Thanks to you, it really couldn't have turned out any greater. Uh, You can check out all the imagery on Kimmy's YouTube channel and social media, which we will share in the show notes. So we encourage everybody to connect with her there. And I just wanted to thank you for all the aloha you have shared with my family, the friendship we now have, and the love you give for this community. Thank you so much. It has been beyond inspiring this whole project but I think the icing on the cake was 
getting here on the ground and working with you and your family and just seeing what a beautiful family you have. I have just been in awe the entire time of what great humans you've raised, what, you know, what a wonderful wife and just your whole family, the way that you treat each other with such love and respect and the way that no one's complaining, everyone's working and everyone's in a good mood. It's just, it's a really, really beautiful thing. Well, thank you. I think you'll see that in Buddy because he is going to be around you now. And that's the beauty of our kids grew up when this charity was born. And so that's all that they've known. And so your son will grow up and see you do all these things. And I, I hope you have all the good fortune that we've had. So thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. have just enjoyed an episode of the Good Tidings podcast, highlighting the goodness in people. To learn more about and to support the Good Tidings Foundation, log on to goodtidings.org. This monthly program is brought to you by the generosity of responseresponsibility.org. Don't miss out on the Good Tidings podcast by reviewing and subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.